2010 Jack Straw Writers Programme. Writer Martha Clarkson spoke with programme curator Jared Lysing about her work. What's your definition of a short short? I think of it as a vignette, a short short piece, a snapshot maybe. I rarely think of it as over a page, but something tight and minimal. But you know, maybe sometimes it's fun. Um, maybe sometimes it borders on fantasy, but it's quick. You seem to be able to sort of see something or experience something and quickly work to put it into a story, whether you finish that story or not, but the sort of inspiration to putting it down on paper. I do feel like I react quickly to things Thoughts and ideas pop into my head that sometimes are crazy, but I like to pursue it and see what happens. I think one of the best things that we can do as writers is just go, just write it. Write about that apple core in the trash that you put there in the last 15 minutes while you're at work. It's kind of like doing scales, I guess, and see what you can make out of that, what seems to be a mundane thing. It's a great way to practice, even, like you said, if you ever do anything with it. Now we'll hear Martha's live reading at Jack Straw Productions. Hi, thank you. And when I was thinking about coming here, I was thinking about introductions, which I'm not very good at because I like to just read my work. And I was thinking, I wish I was a comedian because then I could say... Some ducks and the letter X and the Pillsbury Doughboy walked into a bar. <laughs> and then I could tell you some fabulous joke about this and you could meet my characters, but it's not going to happen. So you're just going to have to meet them in the stories. And this story is called Invitation Only. The ducks walk through the terminal in perfect formation, a grid four across and four rows back. Their boarding passes were tucked under their wings, and their iridescent green heads, which they held high, had a varnished look. They brought no carry-on luggage. <laughs> Seated in first class, the ducks displaced the usual array of rich and fat businessmen, rich and thin matrons, and a lucky upgrade. <laughs> Copies of Mademoiselle were passed out, and fortune... And the ducks obediently read them, plunking their beaks into the free champagne from time to time, careful not to spill. The displaced first classers scowled from the back, reaching for exact change for their drinks. The ducks didn't bump the tray table with their orange feet or take a dump in the blanket. <laughs> they didn't attempt to smoke. You could say they'd been well coached at least on airplane <laughs> etiquette. A man named Marcel Marchot had made the arrangements, a trip to Brasserie Marchot, which the ducks imagined as a five-star resort. Get out of your swamp! Leave a little! He said on the phone. They were looking forward to plush terry cloth and a multi-level pool. They'd packed their best evening wear and snorkel gear and were told their baggage would be sent ahead. L'Orange had been mentioned, and the girl ducks prepared to try their first perfume. They had never had perfume before. This 
was the big time. <laughs> All right, a baking secrets. So although the Browns weren't exactly sure how, the Pillsbury Doughboy got in the Viagra. <laughs> it, it probably came from the unevenly made ceramic dish that Betsy brought home from kindergarten. That dish on the counter where Dave Brown, the father of the household, cupped the contents of his pocket every night. It was likely he forgot his love pill was in the mix. And Kitty hadn't been home that night when he went round to see her. Poppin' Fresh, the Pillsbury Doughboy, had been leaning on the side of the mixing bowl. He was waiting for Mrs. Brown's dough to rise. One could assume he'd become bored and strolled around the counter, and the blue pill looked like candy. But no matter, what happened happened. Doughboy was resting against the ridge ceramic bowl. He rose up from his nap, and there was a shout. It's not a rolling pin in your pants? Oh, my God, son, what's happened? Mr. Clean said. <laughs> Mr. Clean stood next to him with his arms crossed. What? What do you mean? Doughboy said. His eyes were only half open. Then he looked down. He jumped backwards, and he put his white hand up to his mouth. Even in my day, man, I couldn't get... Well, we can't let Betsy see, Mr. Clean said. Mr. Clean was always taking care of messes. This was one of the worst. The muscles in his large arm twitched under his white T-shirt. <laughs> poppin', poppin', came Betsy's high voice around the corner. She skipped into the kitchen. Her red Mary Jane slapped on the linoleum. Mrs. Brown followed. Mrs. Brown raised her hands and flitted her fingers. Time to knead. <laughs> Doughboy's eyebrows went up at the sound of these voices. He had climbed to the edge of the bowl. He leaped off the edge of the bowl and into the dough, face down. He hoped this would make him invisible. Mrs. Brown saw the two lumps of his bum in the bowl. <laughs> now, now, Poppin', what are you doing, silly boy, she said. Mrs. Brown picked Doughboy up from the waist with her slim fingers. Doughboy could see the plaid of her apron below him. He hoped she wouldn't turn him over. <laughs> Still, being pulled out of the dough felt pretty good. <laughs> Mrs. Brown stood him upright on the counter in his usual position. She started to poke her finger at his tummy when she caught sight of his poker. <laughs> she shrieked! Mrs. Brown had only one positive thought, and that was that Betsy's head was still below counter height. Mr. Clean shook his head. If only they'd had another minute to hide him. Oh, dear, said Mrs. Brown. She looked away, then back, then away, and back. <laughs> Betsy tugged at her back apron string, untying it. What, Mommy? The apron caught on Mrs. Brown's tweed skirt and stayed in a skewed position. Honey, go to your room and get, well, get something. Well, yes, get one of your doll skirts. I think Poppin feels a chill. <laughs> Mrs. Brown waved her away with a flapping hand. Mrs. Brown looked up at the ceiling. 
She was thinking about the twin bed conversation between her and Dave and how many nights he wasn't home anymore. She was thinking she should stop wearing girdles and they should go away to Delman's Cottages for a weekend like in the old days. And now Poppin, who was like a child to her, always there, always a smile and a giggle, Mrs. Brown even ironing his pleated hat for him, now Poppin with his own hard problems. <laughs> Doughboy had retreated behind the bowl. Even sitting down didn't help. The dough dive really wasn't such a bad idea, he thought. Mr. Clean winked at him. The wink was a moderate comfort. Doughboy's head, among other things, throbbed. They all heard the car door shut and the heavy footfall of Dave. He came straight to the kitchen. He saw the lopsided apron clinging to his wife's tweed skirt. What's going on here, he said. He saw his small daughter waving a pink doll dress like a truce flag. And there was no doughboy in sight with his usual greeting for the man of the house. Aunt Jemima swished in behind him. Now, now, she said. She filled the doorway. You just go put your feet up on that old ottoman. And Mrs. Brown, you go mix that husband of yours a stiff cocktail. And Betsy and I'll take care of things in here. This ain't nothing old Annie can't handle. And she laughed. <laughs> Mrs. Brown let her arms fall at her sides and nodded. She brushed her apron off and let it fall to the floor. Jemima's idea put in her mind clinking ice cubes and the warm trill of the first sip of bourbon, even though she had some already. Her <laughs> husband had come home on time tonight. They would recline on the sectional sofa. So enchanted did Mrs. Brown feel. She didn't smell the lilac toilet water that wafted through the kitchen, nor see the two auburn hairs that had made a home under his lapel. <clears throat> the day X got promoted, it was a big promotion, too, not just up by M or in the front loop of the J. This promotion put him right after D, A, B, C, D, X, E. <laughs> Sounds pretty good, the council agreed, after lengthy deliberation. There hadn't been a letter promotion in hundreds of years, since E moved up five spaces to spread the vowels. <laughs> X deserves this honor, the council read in unison from their official scroll at the Centennial Alphabet Banquet. X stood up and bowed from his intersected waist. V glared with widespread eyes from a back table. D smiled from the seat next to him, tired of having ease back to him. X has long lived a word-limited existence, the eldest council member orated from the podium. X-ray and xylophone do not a letter make. And so, to X, as part of his promotion, the council added the words Zilargen, a person who uses a magnifying glass, X-giving, granting Thanksgiving a shortened holiday name like Christmas, and Zestify to impart vigorous testimony. X was proud of his new words, which the council had shown him before the banquet as someone powdered his points. 
V and X had battled bitterly for this promotion. In the end, it was decided that V really belonged next to you with their similar shapes. But X had always held the advantage. He was a box filler, a train's crossing. He marked the spot. <laughs> Thank you. This podcast was produced by Jack Straw Productions as part of the Jack Straw Writers Program. The 2010 curator of this program is Jared Lysing. Music performed by Christopher Roberts and recorded as part of the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. Producer is Jenny Cecil Moore. Recording engineers are Mo Proventure, CJ Lazenby, and Steve DeTore. Narrator is Amy Broomhall, and executive director of Jack Straw Productions is Joan Rabinowitz. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Cultural Affairs, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, Washington State Arts Commission, National Endowment for the Arts, the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation, Arts Fund, Poncho, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening.